A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. Christianity provides a comprehensive view of the world. Christianity is a worldview. Worldviews are the grids. They are the lenses through which we frame all of reality. I'm back, y'all. Woo! <laughs> I'm so done. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Black Berea Podcast. You. My name is Mary and I'm with... Richard. Dami's here. How are you guys doing? From that day, it's on Dami's voice, though. Manhood. Oh my goodness. I'm good. I'm very, very good. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm Christy, I'm though. Mary, Mary's bump. back after travelling, touring the world. Yeah, I'm back now. I'm back for good. Well, How was it? How were your trips? It was really good. I went to Mexico and Dubai. And yeah, it was really lovely. Just a good time away with friends and family. But yeah, back to real life and I've got to Now she can serve her local congregation. Indeed. Well, it's good to have you back, though. Long time since you've been on the podcast. We had Kobe back on the last one as well. And he hadn't been on for some time. So everybody's coming through again slightly. The gang's back together. Gang's back together. So what are you talking about today? Gang crime. Gang crime. <laughs> <laughs> gang crime. <laughs> talking about gangs back together. Oh, oh. my dear. Sorry, sorry. We're back to podcast three, innit? We're talking about two. Umar Johnson. Dr. Umar Johnson. Who's Big that? boy. Mate, he was on a... So I don't know if you guys um, have seen the interview on The Breakfast Club. This is, I think, his second interview on The Breakfast Club. Um, he's a nationally acclaimed speaker in the US. Mm. Um, he's currently trying to build a school for young black people. How long has he been how long has he been trying to build this school for? A few years still. He's been trying to raise the funding. He said he needed about two million on the last interview. That's a lot. Um, Why are you laughing? <laughs> I feel like I know where this might be going. Um, I respect the guy. But listen, I was I was just doing some internet searching about you know the progress of the raising the school funds, but I'm not even gonna get into what's happening on the blogosphere with this guy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, apparently he has six degrees. He's a psychiatrist, um, a pan-Africanist, also also um, definitely an eloquent guy. Yeah. Hey, brother, actually, I'm curious. What's a pan-Africanism? Pan-Africanism. That's a good question. I don't know <laughs> about all of Africa. <laughs> so I, don't, I, don't <laughs> I don't think I have a, 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 a accurate description of. Might might get one later on. Don't might we? get one later on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was up there and, of course, they invited him to talk about what's been going on in America with President Trump. Um, also, things about interracial marriage, which I thought was... It was brazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to... I'm going to leave it there. We're, gonna, we're not even going to touch that one because we've kind of dealt with interracial marriage in a previous yeah. podcast. Um, and he was then also speaking about, you know, the plight of the black community. So I think we're going to be looking at some of those questions today as it pertains to, to the black church. But listen, it was a... It was a good interview. Uh, and just if you haven't yet, uh, Pan-Africanism, according to Wikipedia or Google anyway, <laughs> the principle or advocacy of the political union of all uh, the indigenous inhabitants of Africa. So Dami can translate that. So I think he actually calls himself, firstly, he calls himself a Garveyite um, after Marcus Garvey. Yeah. But essentially what he's trying to do is kind of restore this um, indigenous pride in African American people. Yeah, it's more of an intellectual. Yeah, who he feels has, has lost uh, touch with their heritage. Um, but he's he's made some very interesting comments previously about how he feels that Africa and the Caribbean are quite neglectful of African Americans. Um, 
as if that has perhaps nothing to do with their own interactions or non-interactions with those countries. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's good value in terms of listening. Whether what is coming out of him is hot air or not is a, is a matter that's up for debate. So I guess you might as well just talk about some of the stuff that we heard in that interview. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what are we dealing with first of all? <laughs> <laughs> he mentioned that um, the black church every Sunday give $14 million. Right, so I just want to do a quick fact check because like, I, I tried to Google where he got this figure from and <laughs> I wasn't able to find it. Um, I was trying to see, you know, if there's been any empirical research into whether the black church is actually... Oh, black people, yeah, like committing that amount of money every Sunday yeah, to the black it's, church. It's a lot. To be honest, I'm not going to lie. Like, I believe it, yeah, but, I didn't, yeah. but I, didn't, I didn't look it up. Obviously, yeah. this is talking about the black church in America. In America. America. What I'm more interested in is how do we actually define the black church? Is there a black church in America? Like, do they have that as a category? I think, um, if I can remember correctly to what was said, like, just gospel, the black church initially stems out of the kind of uh, reconstruction movement or started initially in slavery yeah um so they were oh about, i see so where black theology the whole black, black theology, theology trend, so out of the civil rights movement yes so the, well, it, yeah. it went down through the civil rights movement but i think it initially started with about eight or nine local churches who have their own kind of denominational stand. so like the ame church african african methodist episcopal church yeah, yeah. those are the likes of the, the beginning of the black church and now i think it's just come become synonymous with churches where there are just lots of black people or primarily mm. populated by black mm. people but yeah. it still has I guess its own kind of like spin on preaching yeah um, yeah is it very liberation in nature I wouldn't say so I wouldn't say all of the black church okay yeah. is primarily um, um, teaching liberation theology but I guess that's besides the point yeah yeah all right then. well anyway yeah so the question was what uh, to do with the black church how much money they're taking in and what, 14 and a half million he said something like that yeah. about 14 million every Sunday so like he's he was basically concerned I mean at this point in the interview he's saying how much how comes yeah as one of the biggest consumer groups in America we are committing so much money towards the black church and yet we're still seeing record levels of unemployment inequality lack of education and poverty okay now the first question is to what extent is that the role of the black church to fix do you see what uh, yeah like that's the first question yeah posing it out there um i mean the 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 church's role is not to cure all societal ills of course of course right um so it, it they shouldn't necessarily be concerned about alleviating every single issue that they see in their local communities that said i think there is um Christian encouragement from the Bible to have concern not only for people within the church but people without of the church so when I'm thinking about that I'm thinking about you know um, caring for orphans widows strangers mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. At, you know God in the Old Testament would command Israel to take care of aliens yeah I think, I think, I think you just hit the nail slightly because you said you said at one moment you said Christian encouragement, and I'm thinking, well, Dami, is it just encouragement? Are we, <laughs> are we just encouraged to be nice? It's command. Are we it's just command. encouraged to be nice? It's a um, but no, yeah, yeah, literally, like the whole, like the fact that it's actually a command. Like, I'm mm. thinking of the the parable of the the sheep and the goats. Mm-hmm. You know, um, who who fed me? You know, yes. when I was in prison, did you um, did you visit me? Yes. When I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was sick, um, when I was without clothes, did you? Do you know what I mean? Did you clothe me, etc., etc., mm. that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I was even thinking of James one twenty seven where it talks about religion that is pure and undefiled yes. is to 
visit orphans and widows and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So there's mm. that duty of the church to actually seek and serve the disadvantaged in their communities. Absolutely. So, I mean, like when I heard it, it was kind of like, um, he sounded very negative about the work of the, the black church in America. Um, but it kind of made me think, well, what, how worse could things be if black churches weren't actually working in their local communities? That's what, you know I, what I was mean? thinking as well, because like, um, historically, I think black churches have been involved in, you know, targeting at-risk kids, you know, mm. scholarships, recreation, drug prevention programs. Yeah. Like, you know, when cool, I was, cool, cool, but 14 and a half million. Let's <laughs> <laughs> check that for example okay we've got a couple salaries that we need to pay out <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we yeah. do 14 and a half but yeah there are they are involved in yeah. the communities of course i can't we can't speak for every single black church that black church is definitely not in the uk because we're not catching that much money we're just <laughs> That's not true. We not in our circles anyway we're just not catching that kind of money yeah but for those of you that don't speak your own his life is hard <laughs> life is hard that doesn't mean that we should be giving I guess we can, we can get onto that um, mm. you know what, what the importance of giving is but like he was particularly also speaking about you know like black mega churches mm. so I guess we can speak well of local community involved churches mm. but you know churches where I, I guess a mega church is kind of defined as about the FBI <laughs> If you watch the the interview, you know, kind (laughs) the FBI is, well, if you know, in America, the FBI is the Federal Bureau of Investigation, but following an initiative by George W. Bush in the year, I think it was 2000, he introduced something called the Faith-Based Initiative, which essentially enabled state-funded support for faith groups and particularly churches. Um, So he said that your pastor is the new FBI agent. Fighting <laughs> for the government. Fighting for the government. Um, we need to check that. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, it's, um, it, he, he seemed, he seemed inc- incredibly negative about mm. the work of the black church. Mind you, though, he did say, he did say that he didn't, like, he's not against religion, mm-hmm. but in contrast to the white, like, to white people, essentially, he says when white person or when other and cultures establish a particular themselves in a particular area. They start off by putting a bank there. Then they put like the schools and the supermarkets, the, the, the businesses, the hospitals, those kind of things. But he says when when black people go to an area, the first thing they put somewhere is a church. And he said his issue isn't with the church or isn't with religion, but his issue is that the church essentially takes, 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 but doesn't give. Obviously, which I I recognize we're gonna say that's not meant to be the case. The, the church is meant to give, but at the same time, like. He's got a point. Do you know what I mean? And, and I guess that's what... We're I mean, so, okay, on that point then, so t- say we're talking about megachurch. Mm-hmm. Where do you think most of the funding for megachurches actually goes? Private jets. That was too crazy. That was too crazy. I was going to say stuff. <laughs> I was going to say stuff. So I think, when I'm thinking of megachurch, I'm just thinking of the, the usual... Mary's back, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of kind of day to day and of course it's not going to break a church I'm being I'm being scandalous alright okay wait no that, that, you're not <laughs> Potent, potentially <laughs> we'll, we'll, hold on hold on so, right, first of all if we're defining a mega church I would say it's about well from the articles I read they'd say it's about 2,000 weekly attendees plus right? yeah plus plus so some of them he are going I mean I'm, I went to the Potter's house in Texas and that was touching well over 10,000 yeah they did that in the football stadium do you know what I mean so um <clears throat> Mega churches have that a high degree of um, attendance weekly, consistently, and so if you've got like two thousand plus people, maybe five, even ten, mm. of course you're going to need people to help 
run the church. Of course. So you'll have your church leadership, but then there will also be support staff. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to establish biblically mm-hmm. that it is good to support the work of the gospel Indeed. in churches. Yes. Yeah. So it's not a wrong thing, for for example, for a pastor to the receive. The worker deserves his wages. Yes. Absolutely. But what about when the worker's getting a bit too much? <laughs> wait, wait. Before we go to everything getting too much, I think, like, Rich, like, how... How how could we just establish biblically how um, why why it is right for pastors to receive? No, yeah, yeah. So you're thinking about Timothy, for example. Mm-hmm. Don't muzzle the ox. The worker deserves his wages. Mm-hmm. Uh, laid out there, um, and obviously, you know, a man that doesn't work doesn't eat. A man that needs to needs to work to provide for his family. Those kind of things. Mm. Um, you know, his wife can also support and work as well, and those kind of things. And 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 they need to provide. That's that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, for example. In I thought you were going to say me. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> right, because yeah, I get paid, but. Um, no, yeah, yeah. Even the Apostle Paul, like he talks about the fact that he doesn't necessarily want to um, burn himself, uh, burn the people. So mm-hmm. he himself actually goes out his way to work, yes. just so that even though he does have the right, by the way, to claim yeah. for them because he's given them spiritual food, absolutely, yeah. um, and he's preparing for that. So I recognise that biblically, the worker does deserve the wages. But then on the flip side, is there ever a point where the worker deserves too much? And I'm not just talking about. And obviously, I, I, I'm, I'm finding it hard in my mind now, and I'm just thinking about it to draw a dichotomy between. Um, within the church and outside the church, is there times where people are paid too much? For example, yeah, an easy example, footballers, right? right? I, I recognise it's a, you know, you train diligently, you work hard, those kind of things. But to get paid, what, what's the what's, what's a good footballer's salary now? Like 50? 50K, 50K a week? 60K a week? A week, cuz. Yeah. My CEOs <laughs> aren't getting that much, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I recognise... But hedge fund managers are... Nobody complains yeah, about Yeah, yeah, no, no, but I'm not saying that it's yeah, obviously risk, risk yeah. and whatnot, and whatnot yeah. versus return. But obviously, like when all is said and done, like there are times where people, some people actually do earn too much for what they for what they do, so you, and others don't get paid enough. Yeah. Obviously, we're looking at what's happening with the NHS now. Right, that's all the madness. All right, so maybe you're about to no, say I think a, a pastor's salary should match or should be within the same remit as his people. Yeah. So if you if you if you if you go to a church where people are working class, mm-hmm. you know, day to day, maybe living paycheck to paycheck. Your, your pastor shouldn't be bowling. <laughs> I don't think he should. But at the same time, the pastor, shouldn't be, the pastor shouldn't be begging for bread. No, he shouldn't. Simultaneously. No, he yeah. shouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I think so, and I think probably what he was alluding to is that, you know, you go to a mega church, some of these people are struggling, you know, mm-hmm. not getting support from their, their church, yeah. but their pastor has the latest car, the latest watch, but wait. he's making money. And he's saying that's God's blessing. It's like, actually, what about your people that are struggling? So I hear that, Mary, but one of the things Richard was talking about when he was talking about the Apostle Paul, yeah. who... Um, was also a tent maker. Yes. Right? Mm. So it shows that pastors can have ancillary um, sources of income. No, no, word, 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 word. <laughs> I, mean, word, word. I so, know what that means in my field, but because. Right, so, life. <laughs> so an ancillary source of income is basically just an extra hustle. Yeah. I'm not going to call it a hustle. <laughs> a lot of, a so lot lot of like, the time, the extra ahead. hustle, yeah, mm-hmm. is they sell books. Right. And they'll, and they'll sell the books to the church. Right. So okay. put, like, I don't know. They'll charge a chat a thousand copies, but books are still lying there and they're caking it. Nobody's being read. Simon's books are selling though. Some people's books are selling, right. but again, the focus is on your sheet, bro. How many books are you writing a year? They're making this much. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you raised you raised a point then also about focus on your sheet. Hashtag cuz. <laughs> you raised a point about um. I'm making, private I'm jets. making a picture yeah. out of that, by the way. Private jets. Focus yeah. on your sheet. Um, I mean, I'm not. It's up to you guys if you want to blow up any individual names. Well, Creflo. <laughs> well, um, um, Creflo Squalor. <laughs> no, <I think> <laughs> but um, 
in that in that in the sense where we're thinking about you know um, do I say people who use godliness as a means for gain? Mm-hmm. I think as um, First Timothy puts it. Yeah. How are we supposed to respond to that kind of uh, how do I put it? Greed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Second Peter calls it greed mm. quickly, and you know what's mad about it? It's I see, and and it's hard to see it in a sense. Like in one sense, like you know how people can be engulfed by this stuff, but at the same time, in another sense, you're just like, raw. Like, is this really something that you know that like is this really something someone can fall for? Do you know what I mean? But um, Second Peter talks about it and just says, do you know what? They're secretly bringing in destructive heresies, mm. and you just have to recognize that. Do you know what they they. Even Satan twists the scriptures. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even Satan can quote the scriptures. The demons can know that God, they know that there's a God and tremble. Do you know what I mean? Like they know, like the, like people on earth didn't recognize that Christ was the Messiah. Yet the people with demons could tell. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like that's how that's how mad it is. Um, but yeah, you get some people just just coming out with all sorts of uh, what do I say? All sorts of just the odd text here and there. Do you know what I mean? The, the world of the of the generous gets larger and larger. Mm. Um, you know, if you bless the Lord's anointed, you don't touch the Lord's anointed. But if you bless him, you know, you'll be the one. head and not the toy and not the tail. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to be funny. I saw someone recently, just bruv, just very recently, quote um, what God said to Cain, and when he said that, do you know what I mean about uh, about keeping him um, after he had sinned? He said, obviously he's cursed, etc., etc. But he said, but I'll make sure that no one kills you, essentially. Mm. And I saw, I heard someone quote that, like. At like a baby shower, cuz like about the baby, and I'm just like, cuz, like, sorry, what? Where's the link? <laughs> what are you on, cuz? Like, I'm not trying to be funny, like, I'm just literally he like, the child to be prosperous. Yeah, yeah, he wants the child to be protected from all. Like, he said the child will never die, he said that the child will never go hungry. But I'm like, do you know what? This very day, you'll find that's a lie. Do you know what I mean? Like, cuz, like, but yeah, they, they bring in all the people think, in some sense, just because they say the scripture, they quote a text, mm. it automatically makes things biblical. So from the moment somebody, a pastor stands up, or a pastor in quotation marks, stands up and then says a text, mm. everything's fine and dandy and we have to obey him. And if we or diso- and if we don't go along with him, then we're disobeying the Lord. So when they're saying on crossover services, as we've all been to, um, it's 2017, y'all. Um, the Lord has just told me that 10 people are going to give 201 pounds and 70p each, you know, and then 13 people stand up, but you didn't send three back down. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's this prosperity stuff. And obviously we have to respond as those who, yeah. who identify a lie. Do you know what I mean? Who rebuke, who, who reject that, you know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's the theme of second Timothy chapter three and four in particular. Yeah. And I think sadly they've kind of, they, they bring the fact of, or they, they say that, you know, you being blessed. Mm-hmm. is kind of equal to God's power in your life or God's blessing in your life. So right. if you're rich, that means God has blessed you. Right. So a lot of times, you know, even congregants are looking to their pastors and saying they want them to be rich because that's a sign of God's blessing when obviously the Bible doesn't actually say that. Mm. And so a lot of members are actually saying, yeah, they want their pastor to be rich because that shows that God has blessed them and I want to be blessed like my pastor is. Mm. And that promotes in itself greed. Yeah. Where you're actually not able to say, no, this is not biblical. You know, you, should be, you shouldn't love money. You shouldn't do anything mm. to gain. Um, cheeky. Very I think yeah, like the the point that Mary's just making there, I think it's quite accurately summed up in First Timothy six, where it says, "Godliness with contentment mm. is great gain, for we brought nothing mm. into the world, and we can't take anything out of yeah. the world." So as long as I have food and clothing, I should be content with that. Yeah. For real. And if you, you know? think of the early church, like you know, mm. the, the early church in Acts, they were not rich, they were not you know, they weren't affluent, mm-hmm. they struggling. Were, yeah, they were definitely struggling yeah. and depending on the Lord to, to keep them as they were as they were serving the and church. on each other as well. To yeah, you know, Acts two is Acts two where they sell their possessions yes. and they gave to each other, mm. um, as opposed to just you know, God has blessed me, give 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 to me, give to me. 
Mm. So, I mean, another interesting thing that he was speaking about then in the interview, he suggested, and I think this was something that Richard alluded to earlier, that actually, because of how much money is being pumped into the black church and looking at other racial groups, how they're prospering, why don't we replace the black church with black banks? Did he say that though? He did. He did say that. He did say no, that. No, he said he said that we should be putting black like we should like essentially that we should be focusing on black banks. But I don't no, know. No, no, he was saying the community hub is the black church. Yeah. We need to bank. switch that up with the black bank. Yeah, I've got a quote quote here. The bank has to circumvent <laughs> Man, like, the church. Man, like you know. So hold on, wait, hold on. The Let bank me. has to circumvent the church. The bank is the centre of the community, not the church. The church takes from us, but it doesn't give. It isn't an economic recycling engine. That's what he said. So Well, Uma. You know, sometimes I like the guy, you know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Not this, not this particular point. But you know what, sometimes I like the guy. Sometimes I can go with him. You know, sometimes I'm, you know, we're walking together. We're walking, Kushti. But then the moment he starts running. All right, so. He has to leave me behind, you know. Richard, I, can't, I, can't, I can't catch up. What's your, what's your issue with that statement then? Obviously, the bank has to circumvent the church. Dammy. We need Mary. We need to replace Dami in the podcast. A man just asked me, "What's wrong with? <laughs> What's wrong with?" I mean, it sounds self-explanatory, but yeah. perhaps we should explain. <laughs> Why should no? But his, the no, bank... If you're thinking from his point of view, his issue is that you know a lot of money is going to these churches, but the people in the area are not benefiting. There's, there's yeah, still his issue you know, is economic. People poor. still are unemployed. People yeah. are still poor. There's still lack of housing. Mm-hmm. So if the if the bank can replace the church mm-hmm. and be active as it should, then it will actually. Regenerate the whole area. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 his, the actual issue is not necessarily that the bank needs to replace the church, mm-hmm. but the issue that the church needs to operate as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing. Not every gathering is a church. Mm-hmm. Um, not every place that gathers, do you know what I mean? Is it, even in the name of Christ, is a church. Um, if the church is operating as it should be, and as we've said earlier, the church should be giving back. You know, the church should be um, involved in helping with regards to is- even issues like social justice. You know, the church should be involved in. Um, supporting the the poor and the and the, and and the widows and and um, those who are in prison and etc. and those who are hungry and those do you know what I mean like, yeah. like the church should be involved in all those kind of um, in all those kind of things. So essentially, it's not the issue that the black church needs to go as one of the central things in uh, central establishments within the black community, but the black church needs to operate as an actual uh, and function as an actual church. Mm. And it might actually be the issue is that we're just not discerning between what's a church and what's not and what's and what's got a form of godliness, but denying its power. Mm. Kind of, you wonder if that's the mission of the church as well. Because he's essentially suggesting that the church should be, you know, predominantly engaged in the community as a way to uplift and prosper black people, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is that the mission of the church? Is that what God tells us that the church should do? Of course, its implications of the members and the families within the church will impact community. Yeah. But the mission of the church is to, is to preach the gospel and to offer the gospel to sinners. And I think that's the criticism I have of Dr. Uman. It's just because he doesn't know that because his aim isn't that. And I think when we're listening to that, we can say, oh, that's true. The black church hasn't done anything. Mm. But actually, it's not our mission. I mean, so it comes at a time where Jay-Z released his album, 444 album last week. I don't even know. I don't you don't, you guys don't have to know. <laughs> <laughs> we released an album last week called the 444 album. Yeah. Oh. Um, and on that on that track, he had a does song called The Story of... What does he... What? He raps, yeah, he raps. Oh. He raps. He's a multi-millionaire. Ooh. On, that, on, that, on that album, he had a song called The Story of OJ. Yeah. Um, and it was a song that dealt quite specifically... That was wavy. With <laughs> I'm joking. Financial autonomy and economic empowerment... Um, 
in the black community. Yeah, yeah. And I think an increasing trend that we're seeing from a lot of well-known figures, popular figures in the black community is this kind of um, discussion about the only way in which we can free ourselves is economically. You know, yeah. the only way in which we can empower ourselves is if we take ownership of our spending and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, I think the issue that I found with Dr. Umar's comment specifically is that it almost speaks as if all of the issues that the black community face will be done away with as soon as we get economic freedom. Yeah. As soon as we're financially autonomous, we should be able to deal with, away with poverty. We should be able to do with away with lack of education and all those kind of things. Yeah, you said that the Pan-African socialist, essentially. Essentially. Yeah. Um, but actually, that still doesn't deal with the root causes of the heart issues. Yeah. That's not what he said. He said no, no, he, he didn't said, say He said the root cause was the white genome or the white, <laughs> the white <laughs> Okay, genetic. but I'm yeah. saying yeah. that our hearts are deceitfully wicked yeah. and that sin yeah. is the real issue um, mm-hmm. that each man has to deal with. Um, and so even when we're looking at, for example, a point about us black bank- banking black, which I'm not necessarily opposed to, by the way, yeah. But it's just the idea of, if we're saying that the the black bank has to replace the black church, we're like, I'm looking at a First Timothy 6, and it, it says again, the love of the money is the root of all evil. Yeah. If we're saying we're going to have black banks that have private shareholders, mm-hmm. are we even certain, for example, that the money that we're investing in these institutions is going to be filtered through again to help us reform the issues that we're facing in the black community, for example? Yeah. Well, but the suggestion is that if we contribute towards the black church don't get me wrong I hear what you're saying mm-hmm. contribute towards the black banks I mean sorry go ahead the black banks will essentially help to fund black businesses and help to fund like and support black people when they're getting mortgages and all if, that kind of stuff if that's a so so this is what I was thinking about so I was thinking okay perhaps we can even talk about this right so if for example you go to a church where there's a significant number of people yes right mm-hmm. and people put like standing orders into a bank account mm-hmm. yeah yeah now say for example because this was the issue I had with if you're just going with like ordinary commercial banks or retail banks, as opposed to mutual banks, right? Yeah. Where yeah. actually there's no private shareholders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of the yeah, members yeah. are the are the owners. Are of the, the owners yeah. of the bank, yeah. and so the benefit, uh, the profits that are made there are reinvested to, yeah, to the members. Exactly, exactly. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed if that was the format in which he was suggesting that black churches could bank black. If you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. As in, so we could hold our church accounts in those banks, but if he's just saying that. We need to displace the black church entirely which and replace he, it with which the black he is, which like he is saying. Then we're actually just saying, or what we're actually just going to see is, in my opinion, a number of very well-off individuals who will prosper, while a number of a lot, while a lot of other people still won't be able to move out of the issues that they're facing. They're currently facing now. Do you know what I mean? Maybe is he's a whole idea cyclical though. So the the wealth the wealthy people at the top will hire and offer jobs. To to more black people. I think I, I think that's the ambition. Yeah, but uh, you know he brought up the Chinese as a, as an example of that. I think yeah. that's the ambition. Yeah. Um, but I I just I think the, the the way in which he the way in which he said it almost yeah. suggested to me that it was far far harder to achieve yeah. than he thinks it is. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> <laughs> and even um in in the interview, I think uh, they 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 ask basically asking him. We know the issues. We know you know we know the problems. Right. The solutions. Right. And a lot of times, you know, these speakers come on. And they ask they ask the same questions, and mm. they definitely offer this kind of utopia of what could be if we do A, B, C, and D. And mm-hmm. it kind of you know reference the point you made about the fact that actually we need to deal with the heart of, of, of every issue, which mm-hmm. is sin, and, mm-hmm. and pointing people to, to the Lord. And when we when we don't when we don't get to that point. We miss the mark, and we think this isn't this is a solution that will solve everything entirely. Mm. And I think I think that also actually again, 
just a, just a, on the point about the churches working in local communities mm-hmm. if we lose sight of the centrality of the gospel then our focus on helping people who are disenfranchised mm-hmm. or disempowered is actually misplaced mm-hmm. uh, rather we have to be thinking about Christ's command to us to actually take care of these people to help these people and so we just don't become a, a group of people rallying behind some cause as opposed to honouring Christ in our commitment to help those who are without. Yeah, and I even think, because um, I was thinking of what he was saying about how local churches or churches in the area, there's still people that are unemployed or, you know, in dire situations. And I think it is definitely, if you go to a church where your pastor's being bought a private jet, they're spending money on new buildings and technology, but there's there's a widow with three kids yeah. who is looking to the government for assistance as opposed mm. to looking to the church. Yeah. I think that's a affront to the gospel. Yeah. And I think, as you said, we definitely need to be people that are not just behind the cause, but actually thinking, there's people in my church, you know, there's a widow or there's someone who's going through a situation, are we serving them? Mm. Um, because if, if we're not, then we're definitely not behaving as the early church did. Hey guys, a few people have hit us up asking how they can support Black Maria financially. First of all, let me just say thank you to everybody who's showed their willingness to support us with financial aid. If this is you and you'd like to help us out, please send us an email at blackberry at gmail.com and we'll give you the details. In other news... So, uh, we're dropping the website on the 26th of July. Um, We're going to have articles, we're going to have videos and we're going to have the podcast up there as well, I believe. Definitely. Um, So yeah, please check that out. Follow us on Instagram, on Facebook... Uh, on Twitter to get some more information on that and in other news (laughs) oh just by the way on that if you're a writer you're a Christian writer and you'd like to have some of your uh, content published you can start sending through your content to us at blackberry at gmail.com we can't promise that everything will get published but we are hoping to showcase the array of God's gifts to us in our abilities to convey the gospel in writing Mm, yeah and if you're not a Christian writer then Please read the Christian writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Mary. Our next podcast episode is going to be episode 10 and also our series finale. Yeah. Yep, for now. Which is so our next episode, episode 10, is going to be Ox BB. Ox BB. Ox BB. Yeah. The first one was, was dope. I really, really appreciate really that. that so good. again, please send your questions at either you can hashtag BlackBerryRepod and ask us on Twitter mm-hmm. or Facebook or you can send questions at blackberrya at gmail.com guys get your questions in they can be wide ranging uh we dealt with a, loads of different topics on the last <laughs> one it was really 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 interesting so we're, we're looking forward to seeing some of your questions yeah we'll also be trying to go through some of the questions we didn't get to go yeah. through on the last podcast so please if that was you just know that we'll try and get through your pod, your question on the next podcast on the series finale so yeah back to it hey guys um it's a quote for the work time you guys ready yep, yep. okay i've got a quote so the quote is i have this in my room actually Thou has formed us for thyself. Oh, <laughs> you know it, you know it. <laughs> okay, the quote is Thou has formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. So, this quote is by a North African church father named Augustine. Okay, so before we actually jump into the quote, it's probably best just to give a little bit of a background. Um, and essentially, he was, uh, he was around in the 4th and 5th centuries, um, late 4th, early 5th century. Um, he was one of the African fathers, the Latin fathers of the church. He was actually born in Algeria. Um, he's known as Augustine of Hippo. He's essentially, to be honest, he's essentially one of the most influential theological thinkers in the whole of the first millennia. Um, probably the most essential theological thinker in the, in the whole of the first millennia. He was primarily um, a historian, uh, and you see that in like, works like City of God. 
Um, but at the same time, he was a solid theologian. You see that in Confession City of God also, um, where he breaks down the culture in light of the scriptures in a, in a magnificent way. And essentially, he goes on to influence um, many, many, many people. Uh, your Calvins, your Luthers, your, your, your Zwingli's, your, and, and your theologians today as well. Um, Augustinian tradition is something that's even felt over. The Catholics are even trying to nab him as well as that is. So... Um, so yeah, he's a he's a wonderful man, wonderful, um, wonderful black theologian. So yeah. Yeah. So my question for y'all is, how does this reflection of Augustine and his quote speak to us today? So I'll read the quote again in case you guys have forgotten. Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. I don't even know what Dan's laughing. I break forgot. This down. Break this down for me, guys. Um, how does it speak to us today? So I think okay. Our hearts are restless. Yeah. I think the quote is like a is a basic statement of um, Christian anthropology. Um, so that being the study of what makes us human. Yeah. Um, and thinking about it almost contemporarily, where in an age we're in a, a culture that's really having very serious and potentially groundbreaking conversations about identity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm which seem to be drifting further and further away from biblical standards. Yeah. So that includes, but it's not limited to things like sexual identity. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think this is a, a quote in which we understand, um, firstly, the fundamental objective fact of life, which is yeah. that God created us. Yes. And then secondly, the subjective experience of life, which is that our hearts are far from God mm-hmm. and that we're restless until we're reconciled to him. Doesn't, doesn't this feel like Christian hedonism, essentially? I thought of that as well. Oh, so that right. whole John Piper kind of idea. So hedonism is essentially the, the, the pursuit of pleasure and making that the end of life. But Christian hedonism essentially says we should pursue pleasure, mm. but pleasure can only truly be pursued in God. Absolutely. Um, and thus, to truly... And, and obviously, he, there's all sorts of... like Piper has a book called Desiring God in this matter, and he deals with so many things. Even how a Christian can pursue pleasure in suffering yeah. when knowing it's, it's bringing about God's glory. Mm. Um, so, and, and I feel like that's, this is just essentially what Augustine is getting at. No matter what kind of situation you find yourself in, whether it be good ones or bad ones, whether, you, um, have everything, every, every, whether you've been given the whole world, essentially, um, until you've given the Lord your soul, you, you, you'll still be searching and you'll still be anxious. Um, for only God can truly, I, I don't want to say, I, I hate this kind of terminology, but yeah. only God can, you know, bridge the gap in your heart, you know? <laughs> um, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying because I think it's, when you're dealing with um, almost like existential questions, the meaningful questions of life, um, mm. you know, origin, purpose, what are my ends? Mm, mm, mm. I think the Bible makes us understand that we cannot truly be satisfied with answers until we find those answers in Christ who reveals to us, um, who reveals God to man, and also him being perfectly divine and perfectly human, man mm-hmm. to man. Yeah. Um, so we can only really understand the nature of our existence and being and purpose if we recognise that in Christ. Um, but but, what is, but to be honest, in one sense, what does that mean? Because I actually remember there was a point where I was speaking to one man. We were we were sitting there, we were discussing X, Y and Z, I can't remember. And I, I don't know how we got into it, but he essentially started telling me, oh yeah, um, the reason I go to the club... I can go to the club and, and be fine duh, 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 and do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, why do you go to the club though as a Christian? And he essentially said, well, Christ came, came to give me life and life to the fullest. Um, like, like, in that sense, like, has he, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to figure, like, has he misunderstood like an Augustine and the words of Christ there? Or is he, or is he like, do you know what I mean? Or is he within his remit? Like, 
is he is he right essentially? I don't think that's what. I don't think that was that's what Augustine is. Yeah. Um, I, I know that's not what Augustine was getting. <laughs> sorry, just sorry, so just I think what that guy is talking about there, or perhaps is a fundamental misunderstanding of Christian liberty. Mm. So Christian liberty does not necessarily mean license yes. um, to do anything that you want that's self-serving. But actually what it means is liberation from your bondage to sin. And in, in, so do, <clears throat> in so being liberated from your bondage to sin, you have freedom in Christ to live a life that is glorifying to God. Right. So this is not necessarily me saying, you know, for him being in the club, he's condemned. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't advise Christians to go clubbing. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is that actually when we're understanding Christian liberty, it doesn't necessarily mean because Christ has made us free, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We're free to do anything that we want to do. Actually, we're free to live a life that is pleasing in the sight of God. Mm. Mm. And I think, I think when Piper speaks about Christian hedonism, mm. he has that that phrase that he talks about um, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him and mm. the whole idea of obviously hedonism speaks to desires, you know, carnal desires whereas mm. actually as when you become a believer your desires are reorientated and, yes. and you seek, so your desires actually become pure because yes. you're seeking the Lord mm. and yes. fullest joy. Absolutely. Um, I think that's what Augustine's alluding to as well because yeah. when you look at Augustine's life you know, he is one that is definitely full of debauchery but when he becomes a believer, when he becomes a, a Christian, he's captured by a new affection, mm. and that affection becomes greater than all the all the carnal desires that he had in the world. I mean, I've been I'm, sorry, Richard. You oh, no, 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 yeah, go on. I was just about to say, like, I've been reading in my own personal devotion um, the Book of Ephesians, mm. um, and previously before that, um, Godly man. <laughs> <laughs> previously before that, um, the Book of Galatians, and mm. just thinking through Galatians five, you know, you know, walking in the spirit, um, yeah. not. Um, Fulfilling the lust of the flesh, not fulfilling the lust and afflictions of the flesh, which are, which are carnal. Yeah. But yeah, actually, yeah. you know, walking after the spirit in the newness of life kind of thing. Yeah. So that is what, I guess, when a Christian comes, their desires and affections are changed in a sense that they reflect the goodness of God in their life and they want to reciprocate that with all the things that they do and say. What were you going to say, Richard? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more thinking in the sense of like, I was just going to like flip it a bit, like just okay. really ask more. Like, I get that we're saying that now it's to be fulfilling Christ, but at the same time, what kind of things then are people almost bringing it to today, obviously, okay. trying to, and trying to understand how this affects us now. Um, so we're not just observing the court in isolation, but how, what are people kind of indulging themselves in, in a sense, to the, to the point whereby, at the, at the expense of it, like, of finding, satisfying themselves in Christ. So this is a, this is a hard question for me. Um, Why? Because obviously this is Black Berea mm-hmm. and I didn't want to necessarily perpetuate some kind of stereotypical or unhelpful myths about degenerate black culture. Yeah. Um, so I it quite intentionally proposed to um, like steer clear of things like um, black on black crime, quote unquote, um, serious youth violence, topics that we've dealt with that are serious topics. But yeah. I actually just thought of one that seemed to me initially... Um, pervasive but perhaps much less talked about um, and for me it was actually vain conversation mm-hmm. um, vain conversation mm-hmm. slash mm-hmm. I will talk yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's one thing that I find increasingly apparent in black culture and it's something that we're indulging ourselves yes in. it's something that we indulge ourselves yeah. in and it can be unwittingly um, but a number of times it's actually very 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 knowingly so, like what so okay so the kind of conversations that are propagated on certain media platforms we have a very, in, in Britain particularly, I, I think this is, it's a global thing about black culture, but 
in Britain particularly, like I'm on the, I'm on Twitter. Um, we have a very unhealthy obsession with things like quote unquote body count. Mm-hmm. Um, black men are trash. <laughs> Sorry. The flip side being, oh, um, you know, black women are insufficient to meet our needs as black men kind of stuff. Man and calling girls bad bees, all of that kind of stuff. Um, bad bees, right, guys. Bad right? bees. Yeah. I, I don't need to explain what it means, but <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. just just that it's kind just, of very it's just, it's coarse just trash, language. Trash, trash. Yeah. Coarse language, right? Yeah. And um, slander and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. I was at. And it's a norm, to be honest. Which is. Which, and and yes, that's what's mad. That's the thing that's what's what I'm mad. saying. It's, it's pervasive in our culture and something that we, we're not mindful of. And actually, when I was thinking through it, like. This is something that the Lord Jesus takes very, very seriously. So in Matthew 12, when he's dealing with um, testing them, knowing them by their fruits, for example, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Mm-hmm. For by your words, you will be justified, meaning that by your profession of faith in Christ, you'll be justified. Mm-hmm. And by your words, you'll be condemned. So those words which are indicative of a defiled heart, you will condemn you. And I was just thinking like, yo, okay, cool. We can have conversations about, you know, uh, fatherlessness and all of those kind of things. But this is one I think is uh, deeply entrenched in our culture, particularly in Black Britain. But it's not something that we pay much attention to. And, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be funny. Like, you're right, man. I'm thinking about Proverbs 26, where it talks about how essentially the man who fires arrows um, and attacks people is is at, at random and brings about death is is no different to the madman who deceives his friend and says i'm joking mm. you know it's that whole you'll be held accountable for every single careless word mm. and essentially they're saying that this man is mad but mm. for us you know it's almost in some circles you won't even be accepted if if, if, the, if this if you're not able to keep up with the heat if you're not able to you know fire shots at random people if you're not able to you know um you know just be like quite you know coarse in your jesting mm. you know if you're not able to you know if you're if you're if, if you almost shun this kind of talk you're seen as somebody who's foreign as judgmental etc mm. etc et you know um i mean what, what did you guys think about when you thought of the question about you know if there were any things that um i'm thinking i'm asking the question you no know, that's cool was, but is there anything that, that I, was, I think when i was thinking of augustine's life and hedonism yeah. itself and what I, I was just thinking of like sexual immorality right especially with people you know in their 20s and their early 30s and, and they would see that as the height of satisfaction and pleasure mm-hmm. and you know, and how the gospel speaks to that you know sexual morality those who practice that mm. will not inherit the kingdom of god mm. um and i think it is very you know dominant in our culture you know things like body count and, and and stuff like that where it's speaking to that's a normality and actually we have to be those who are in the scriptures and realizing that it's, it's actually not you know god hates that god mm. hates uh sexual sin and, and we should do all we can to yeah. to realize that christ offers freedom and uh and, redemption and, from that and just at the heart of it all i said i guess it's just that whole idea of idolatry mm-hmm. you know that um it doesn't necessarily matter. you can be single you know and just idolize guys or females in general and still and do you know what i mean and therefore be indulging um yourself in like in in in, in the idea or the thought of of courting or dating or, or, or do you know what I mean or even fornication etc or, or even marriage like those good things that like you can you can idolize a good gift mm. do you know what I mean um and 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 make and make it as though like for example marriage is the end of the journey but it's just not you know like yeah. genuinely like Christ really is the 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 author and the finisher of all things um he's the author and the omega the beginning and the end and thus he's also the middle he is the journey. He's, you know, he, and it's, and it's him that we have to 
pursue to the very end and not necessarily the gifts he gives um but no yeah man it's definitely something that's uh pervasive in our in our kind of culture in many ways so on that then how do you think the gospel speaks to some of these kind of issues that we've raised that are quite prevalent in our own community here i'm thinking of the westminster uh confession of faith the first question about you know man's chief end is mm-hmm. to enjoy him and glorify, glorify the westminster who Obviously, I know what it is, that. but like, come. That's so long to explain. Like, okay, I'll, I'll say it now. In 1569, <laughs> so some people came together and they put together, for the body of the church, they put together like a, a set of questions, yeah, yeah, a confessional document, a set of questions and answers. So it's the form of a catechism explaining like essentially the main tenets of the Christian faith. And it goes through various things in the form of questions and answers and it's quite thema- um, thematic in nature. And the opening question essentially says, what is the chief end of man? So in modern English, like what's the end of a man's of man's life essentially, mm. and what should he be pursuing, and what is what is the purpose, the point of living? Yeah, and it's it's um, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Mm. Um, and I think that's what um, Augustine in his quote is, is is really referencing the fact that you know we are restless, and that's not just a restless in terms of there's an inner longing, but actually we're restless because we're sinners at enmity with God, and and our ultimate rest comes in Christ uh, and, and that that refuge refuge from God's wrath refuge from the consequences of sin mm. um, so I think the gospel speaks to first of all the idea that we can have rest and I think a lot of people need that need uh, need to know that in Christ you know you can actually have peace with God mm-hmm. and also the fact that we find utmost joy in God yeah in a way mm. that a Christian can actually be happy um, happier than than the richest noblest people in the world um, you know, yeah, because there's almost this kind of stigma that suggests Christians are unhappy people. That we're sad and solemn yeah. and bitter and, you Not know. me, cuz. Which is that he's enjoying life. Enjoying um, life, cuz. But, 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 yeah, I think, I, think that's, I think that's a very poignant point. I mean, um, the point behind Christian hedonism. Mm-hmm. That actually, when you've come to the end of yourself and actually found God, there is so much more joy to be had in him mm. than any of the self-seeking pleasures that you had previously. Mm. Um, but another thing, and I guess just to give a slightly, because of Mary's already answered that quite comparatively yeah. in one sense, let me just give another side. Um, because creation's obviously fallen, um, but initially was made good, the gospel recognize, reminds us that everything is meant to be redeemed. And thus, we can actually enjoy things like marriage, things like um, um, marital union, etc., um, we can enjoy things like entertainment. We can enjoy um, even listening to and, and engaging in things like politics and with social media and with sport and all those kind of things. We can laugh and we can joke. Yeah, we can laugh. Mm. We can joke. Mm. You know, Africans, Caribbeans, we love our jokes. Do you know what I mean? Like, we love our jokes. I'm sure like I'm sure white people do too. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that that I left. think they do. <laughs> that went so left. left. <laughs> but no, like, no, legit, like, we can, like, we, we all enjoy our jokes. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can enjoy these kind of things. And when all is said and done, it's all about rejoining it in a redemptive manner. Yeah. You know, we're not rejoicing in evil, we're rejoicing in good. Do you know what I mean? We, we recognise talent, we, and we can appreciate talent. Do you know what I mean? We recognise beauty and we can appreciate beauty. Do you know what I mean? The Bible appreciates beauty. The Bible can talk about David and say, do you know what I mean? He was he was hands, one of the most handsome men in all of Israel. So, so you could, do you know what I mean? Like you recognise that even the Bible recognises that certain people are extremely beautiful. Like these are things that God has made in his wonderful, um, you know, in his wonderful uh, creation. And it's things for us to be enjoyed. And thus, when we come back to that, um, that quote that Mary just said from the Westminster Confession of Faith, um, that um, God, the chief end of man is to be is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Like it really doesn't stop 
at glorifying God. One must glorify God, and as as John Piper would say, by enjoying Him forever. Do you mm, know what I mean? Indeed. Like once you've once you've truly understood the purpose for creation, you know, heaven above is sweeter blue. Do you know what I mean? And earth and earth below is is even is even more is more the green of the earth is even more it has got a new hue almost. And it's something that Christ and I just have never seen. I'm almost caught, I'm quoting him almost. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> it's literally you, him. <laughs> <laughs> you know I wanted you to think I was a bit mm. but anyway <laughs> but uh but yeah, like literally, like you genuinely see everything through new lenses, mm. and uh, and 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 through a redemptive lens that recognizes God as the as the wonderful Creator who's to be praised and everything, but at the same time as the, as us as creatures who are to enjoy His creation within the um, bounds that He's given us and prescribed. Mm. Sweet. Well, I think that will wrap up today's podcast episode. Mm-hmm. Nine. It's done. Really enjoyed it, guys. Yeah, please hit us up with those questions, though. Yeah, definitely. Um, Don't forget to hit us up with. Uh, Questions for Ask BB episode 10 series finale. Yeah, and keep on following Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like we said, uh, particularly anticipating that website launch on the 26th of July. So yeah, this is Richard. Mary. Dermy. And we out. Peace. <laughs>